we're all on a journey of trying to discern those pieces in us that need to be conformed, submitted to, and, and, and moving towards the likeness of Jesus Christ. We're all on a journey, no matter how long you've been a Christian. Um, and we're all in a, in a process of surrendering more and becoming more like God, if you're choosing to do that, right? If that's the direction you want to head. Welcome to the Hub Podcast, a resource for house church leaders to foster and guide healthy house churches toward deep devotion, contagious community, and missional imagination. This is an extension of Common Ground Northeast Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, y'all, welcome to the Hub Podcast. My name is Sam Linetti. I am the formation pastor at Common Ground Northeast, and I'm here with my good friend, Eric Thien. Yep, I'm Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Common Ground Northeast. It's good to be with you all today. Um, we did today, we haven't done a lot of plugging or, or giving highlights on this, but today we wanted to break the ice. We have... Um, we would love for people to follow and subscribe if that's possible. And then also leave reviews because it helps people find us. But um, I also think it's worth noting, we have another, uh, like a sister podcast um, that is called the Converge CGNE or CG Northeast podcast. I think if you search Converge and CGNE or CG Northeast, you'll find it. But we have um, a justice and reconciliation team at our church. And one of the things that they have been doing is producing um a podcast that highlights different faith leaders of color in the Indianapolis area. And so it's, it's a part, a part of a way for us to hear from other perspectives, but also to um, get into relationship with um, people whose congregations maybe look and have a culture that's different from ours. It's been a great um, group of people. The hosts are amazing and uh, I've, I've loved listening to it myself, but we'd love for you all to check that out uh, if you get a chance. Um, and uh, also just thanks for, for tuning in today as we cover this uh this next section the next series in our um in our church absolutely absolutely uh definitely check out the converge podcast those uh those interviews and perspectives have been really challenging and enlightening in many ways um and if you didn't catch it in there please leave a review uh if you like what you're hearing here if you do that it just helps others find us through logarithms and some stuff that's way over my head but if you leave a review it helps that's what I know. So uh, we are kicking off a new series. We just got done with our wildfire series uh, at our church and the gospel wildfire podcast was an addition diving into deeper conversations of that. Had a lot of fun doing that. Thank you, Eric, for kind of flipping rose and hosting that and asking me questions. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. We yeah. are diving into a new series now at our church called We Are Common Ground, talking through some of what makes common ground, common ground, some of our main values, what we really value here. And I'm really excited about this series, especially with all the changes, Eric, everything that you were saying this Sunday, all the changes, all the new people coming in. We are kind of a little bit of a a, a new group on the backside of this from COVID and, and all the things that have been happening. And yet there are some things that still make common ground who we are, and we're sharing those things. And so I'm excited to dive into that. This podcast is going to be similar to our last one, uh, last series, diving into deeper conversations on what this means. So without further ado, Eric, you ready to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. So the first question I think is when 
you know, when we talk about we are common ground, that name is, isn't an accident. That's on purpose. And so when we say we are common ground, that's not just a title of our church, but it's who we feel we are. It's our very first value. Eric, could you define a little bit about what common ground is and what makes us common ground and why we value it so highly? Yeah, and, and that's kind of maybe a recap from the sermon, but the, yeah. um, the idea is just that our lives are, are meant to overlap, to have common ground with others. And um, it's, it's, uh, it is the tendency, I think, in our culture right now, which is polarized, to divide whenever we have disagreements about things, right? And so that's the most obvious is the political scenario that we find in, at least in America. Um, and, and so the idea of common ground is where can we find common ground um, in placement of overlap agreements at times um, where we don't have much, where can we agree, but also just finding ways to overlap with grace and finding ways to overlap in, um, in creating a learning posture of our hearts as we're trying to engage with people and just being respectful and honoring too. Those are all ways that we can find common ground where we you know, would not necessarily have it um, in, an, in an obvious kind of way. And so common ground in its namesake is meant to be at least first and foremost. I mean, what, maybe one of the lines we draw is we are Christian, right? And so there is a point there where we want to find a way to have as much overlap with as many Christian um, perspectives as possible. So if it falls within Christianity, um, and, and we can define that here later on, but, yeah. uh, and, and even we overlap outside of that, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give more to that too. But in terms of our, you know, what we believe in and the truth that we embrace, we wanted to, instead of being a church that is denominationally specific or has a, a, a theological, a systematic theological framework that we said was, this is ours and we are going to teach this. Instead, what we have decided is to say, hey, there's lots of Christians that have lots of perspectives on this. We aren't taking a position if it's a non-essential. And so um, for, for us, we want to hold those things open-handed and um, allow that to be as much common ground, as much um, overlapping space as possible. When I say that, the picture in my mind, of course, is like a Venn diagram where you see kind of that center part that, that overlaps. Um, I know we, we laugh because I use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good Venn diagram. Um, but uh, so, so initially that idea is meant to say, instead of drawing lines and separating for theological issues that we think are not important. And of course, there's lots of scriptural you know, precedent for this. There's, you know, we don't want to bicker over the minute details is what one of the, in the New Testament. Um, you know, of course, then the, the question is, how do you decide what's essential and what's not? And we could probably get into that. But, um, you know, the initial meaning, though, is we want to be a place that it embraces a plurality of theological perspectives. Uh, you know, you're not going to find a, an end times, <laughs> You know, we have this eschatology. This is our end time idea. We are going to open it up to what we have seen as classic um, Orthodox Christianity throughout history and say, we're going to, anyone who believes any of these things is welcome here. And often what I'll end up doing in terms of teaching is I try to out myself. Like I try to, you, you people will hear me say, I'm a, Cal, you know, I'll say I'm a Calvinist. That's not because I'm trying to recruit people to Calvinism. That's because I'm trying to out my bias right up front, you know? So you, mm -hmm. you can filter knowing, Hey, if you're not a Calvinist or reform, you know, embracing reformed theology, um, which I should hold lightly. Cause I think, uh, 
a hardcore Calvinist probably would not consider me of the pedigree <laughs> of, of Calvinism that they would hold and say that I would have to adhere to. But uh, I'm strongly sovereigntist. Um, I have a strong understanding of God's sovereignty. And um, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. But, but it also is helpful when people just name their bias up front. And I'll usually give some other perspectives and just say, hey, I lean towards this one because that's my leaning. Um, but we don't take a position on this or that subject. So end times is obviously like an easy one to go to. Um, you know, in the, yeah. in the midst of that. So, so one thing I hear you saying, and I think this might be an, maybe an important framing for some of our listeners, you're approaching this common ground idea. I think with, there might be two camps here. And I think some nuance discussion in this is important if you want to give some feedback in this, but common ground, what you just talked about mostly has been of Christians. And so yes. with the de- yeah, unity denomin- within Christianity. Yeah, the denominational splits that have happened, uh, the different I- identities, ideas, and theologies that have come out in that. One nuance that you are saying is we are not making a specific stance and actually saying as Christians, what actually brings us together to have common ground. And now that that is a specific, I think, camp of thinking of common ground. Like, oh, if I was like, I'm formerly Catholic. And, and I'm, I'm welcome to yeah. be here. And, and so yeah. we and can maybe, actually maybe do that, life together, right? Be the yeah. body together in this. As you're saying, I didn't mean to interrupt, but as you're saying, it reminds me, maybe that also brings an assurance to you're not, like I tend to have self-deprecating humor when it comes to those. I have a Baptist background, so I'll make jokes sometimes about the Baptists. Yeah. That is not, I'm not, and maybe I should back off sometimes on that because um, it could be alienating if you have had that yeah. background, mm-hmm. but you know, like I know in very, in some Protestant circles, Catholicism is considered outside of the boundaries of Christianity. They would say that that's not, and, um, mm-hmm. and we would not agree with that. And so what you won't hear is me de- degrading a, you yeah. know, like, like I said, I think we try to have a good humor about things and we'll give, you know, mm. a hard time. Uh, I might make a joke about charismatic circles, but that's probably because I, I identify with some of those charismatic circles, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so we're, we're never fully any of those things, but I also mm. in, intentionally trying to be inclusive of those groups because um, again, we want to be a church of common ground. And if it's not essential, then it is, yeah, um, yeah. It is up for grabs. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I have been, in many circles coming from a very Catholic town, very Catholic region. And then branching out in that after, you know, going to college and then um, in my young adult lives working many times, whenever I would say Catholic, there was a distinction that people would make between, well, we're Christian as if Catholics weren't Christian, which Christian is like following Jesus. And I'm like, well, they do follow Jesus. (laughs) And so there was a, there was a distinction that was made as if, if you are Catholic, you are not actually following Jesus, which I think was wrong. And I will admittedly say I was very bitter and frustrated toward my, toward my Catholic upbringing for a long time Mm -hmm. until late into my twenties, where I was doing an in-depth study with Romans and the Lord convicted me of it and essentially was like, listen, um, some of you find it like it's in like Romans 13 or 14, I think, but it said, some of you find it good to eat meat. Some of you don't. 
Some of you find it good to celebrate on these days. Some of you don't see them as important, yeah. but is it all to the glory of God? And if that's the case, who are you to say this and that and this and that? And it really convicted me of like, man, maybe my priorities were a little mm. bit off. It's great. And, and so it was convicting. So I've been on a journey from that of not just reconciling and, and maybe healing from and seeing and appreciating some of my Catholic background and upbringing. And my wife yeah. grew up Catholic too. We talk about this a lot. So appreciating and loving some of the beauty behind that tradition, yet also understanding some of the trauma and hurt that it's caused, but you can find that in other denominations as well. Yeah. And so um, I'm glad you brought that up. So that, I think that's one specific camp that you're speaking to, but I think another train and uh, or train of thought, thought process in camp is being common ground. How do we meet with people that find themselves outside of Christianity? And where is the truth and grace in that as well? And so I think it's one aspect to speak to how do we bring the church as, as Christians, as the body together to find common ground, to journey with one another, yet we still have our own biases, maybe towards some theological thought. And then how do yeah. we also then integrate common ground with people who don't find themselves Christians? How do we then hold on also to truth, but grace in those moments too? Can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. So, so people outside of Christianity, you're saying, so kind of in a, in a missional posture. Yes. Yeah, and I would say too, well, I won't, I will, maybe we'll come back to that. But so, so for me, missionally, like I, I was, our culture is changing dramatically around us. Um, and so it can be a temptation of ours to withdraw, um, you know, depending on, the, and there's some theological maybe assumption here too, because some people would say that we don't have the ability to, um, uh, to change the culture, right? And, and so the temptation, I guess, if you're, if you're going to decide to engage in the culture, the temptation that you deal in is um, either, you know, pendulum swing, like license or, you know, legalism. So you're mm. going to call people to a legalistic world that they can't um, ever accomplish, or you're going to give people license to do whatever they want. Um, and, and I always think of that, like, it's a basic, I mean, it's hedonism, right? And the danger of that is found in judges. If you've ever read judges, it's, I mean, I had, I had a professor in seminary once say, if you have, if you read the book of judges and don't want to throw up by the end of it, then you read it wrong. Um, wow. which is a powerful wow. statement, but yeah. the, the line that the turning point line or hinge point line that gets repeated, I think two times, one in the middle and one at the end, I think, I, I, don't quote me on that, but is each person did what, what they saw was right in their own eyes. So they no longer listened to Yahweh. They no longer listened to God. They didn't submit their lives to a higher authority being, being God, the most high. And so um, when we are allowed to do whatever we want, right? So we, we can, we end up, um, we end up becoming not human. We end up being less than human. I guess would be the best way to put it. And so, um, I, and I, but I also think like, not to say there's no good, like I also, this is another, I guess, reformed ideology, but I also believe in common grace, that there's a residual essence of Eden, just as much as we're fractured and broken from the rebellion, there's this essence of God's goodness still in us, every person in the Imago Dei when we're born, and the essence of it in creation. And so there is still good Mm -hmm. um, not to say it's, a, so maybe the total depravity people would say no to that. Um, but 
I do think there are elements of good in us, but it's just trying to figure out and redeem all of those things. And the reason I bring that up is this, because um, it's it wasn't directly what you asked me. We're all on a journey of trying to discern those pieces in us that need to be conformed, submitted to, and 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 moving towards the likeness of Jesus Christ. We're all on a journey, no matter how long you've been a Christian, um, and we're all in a in a process of surrendering more and becoming more like God, if you're choosing to do that, right? If that's the direction you want to head. And, um, and so in that, there's this missional flexibility for those who find ourselves closer. I mean, even that's a difficult statement to make, but those who would say we're decidedly moving towards Jesus and that we are, um, you know, we're Christians. We are going to attempt to live this life according to the, the life of Jesus um, and do what he did then there's this way in which there's a grace and a flexibility that we don't expect people who don't follow Jesus to do what he said. And those who are just starting to follow him are going to be in this gray area of not quite knowing what is biblical, what is not of, and, and even inside of knowing, right. Um, even to this day, I know this is maybe a goofy one, but you'll hear me talk about when I came to Christianity for the first time, um, they told me to read John and uh, the gospels and the book of Acts. And I remember, you know, with the, the community in Acts, and there's a point where it says, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And so uh, since they asked me to read that, I came back and I remember thinking all these people did that, right? Like I, I just understood, like, you're telling me to live like this Bible. I read the Bible and I come back to church the next couple of weeks. And I'm like, looking around like, wow, this is crazy. All you all sold your possessions and share like this community purse. Wow. It didn't yeah. take me long to realize that they didn't really do that and they don't really take that seriously. Um, and, and so you catch the, my critique in there, right? Yeah. I don't do that now. Yeah. But this is maybe a difference. I believe maybe I just don't quite have the faith to make that step yet. Hmm. I'm not going to attempt to write it off as if it's not true. Yeah. I still believe Jesus may be calling all of us to that. Mm -hmm. um, my faith isn't there yet. And so it causes me to understand that I need to have grace for others who are walking in other sins or differences of obedience. And um, so, so the overlap comes, the common ground comes in this. We can have grace for one another when we realize the need that we have for Jesus and that we're all trying to figure this out. And that we're all in a place of trying to discern what needs to be let down. And sometimes even when we know we lack the faith to surrender that idol or that thing that we're holding on to. So that that's a part of it, the grace involved there. Mm -hmm. Second, mm -hmm. just like we can't disengage. That's kind of how I started this tangent and I'll, I'll close maybe back with that, but yeah, there, there is a sense wherein someone, I just heard someone say, if we decide just to preach the Bible, which is, it seems good. If we just preach the Bible without considering the culture around us, then all we're going to do is mitigate the decline of our churches. That's the mm. best we can do. We might be able to manage the decline so that it happens slower, but eventually we're so irrelevant. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Um, and so having that overlap, as we talked about in John 17, that God says we're to be in the world. Um, that's the summary, right? That's the paraphrase in the world, but not of it. Yeah. And so we yeah. have this overlap with Jesus in that he sanctifies us. This is all in John 17. Then we have an overlap with each other in that he wants Christians to be one. And so we have a commitment not to separate for minuscule theological details. Yeah. And yeah. then we have this, this overlap with the world in that we're, we're sent in it. And Jesus said, I, I, I am not taking them out. He, he points out that he's going to pray. I'm not taking them out. 
So we have this overlap with engaging in the culture, all so that we can be a faithful witness in it, so that people would come to know him, it says it in John 17. So um, that would be kind of, you know, maybe my answer to that question. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, we've we got a few more minutes here to talk, um, just as your countdown. But, um, you know, when you're sharing all that, I was thinking literally of the life of Jesus. And it's blown me away recently how much he actually knew of scripture and law. He like he was such a learned man in how to actually understand what was written in the Torah and literally how his life fulfilled those things. But yet what I found so interesting was the way in which he lived those out and fulfilled those was so countercultural that he, some people actually saw him as living a life that was contrary. Yeah. And it wasn't at all. It was actually fulfillment. And so yeah. it, 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 it's really interesting to me when you said like only preach the Bible, man, if you only preach, if you are truly preaching the Bible, it should, like you said, convict and convict you towards a, a kingdom or a faith that is way beyond anything that you understood before. Catch this even beyond your own denominational passing, discipling and, and passing of down of information and, mm-hmm. and all of those things. And so I love the way in which you've kind of formed a few of those. And I, I think if you're truly, if you've been in any type of situation of walking with somebody through discipleship, and, and their own faith journey, there truly is a grace upon grace where you're allowing God and the Holy Spirit to do the work. And yet, as you open, allow yourself to be open-handed in those things and to journey along with somebody, you maybe see different sides of God that you never did before through somebody yeah. else's whole perspective. Like in, a, in another realm of uh, responsibility that I have here at Common Ground, we consider this and we call this sojourning with somebody else to where we decide to sojourn with somebody on a journey to where we don't have it all figured out. And yet it is a mutually transformational relationship where we might see somebody as hasn't been a Christian or following Jesus as much, as long as we have. Yeah. And yet their freshness actually continues to refine our own. Yeah. Oh yeah. The wonder. It's really, you know, really cool. Yeah. The wonder that you have when you first come in or, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would say too, just not having the cultural conditioning of the church yeah. helped me to see things that those who grew up in the church could not see in their, um, uh, you know, because they had a, they, they had been told probably a denominational framework, right. Or mm-hmm. something else, but they had already concluded that they knew all the wisdom here Emily, my wife and I were just talking about this I, can't, I wish I could remember the terms she had, but she was reading an article where it talked about, um, you know, our devotion to God. Sometimes we get into a mode, especially churches like ours. We have such a high mission focus. Yeah. Um, that sometimes we de, I think, I think I get concerned at times that we de-emphasize scriptural engagement and truth and reading of the Bible. Um, yeah. And so I try to continually re-champion that. But one of the things that, that can happen is we, you know, you can become very, small groups and house churches can just can become echo chambers where you just agree on things you already know, but you never put it to work. Yes. We are not a church who doesn't put things to work. We kind of tend to put things to work. And, and the phrase I've heard someone, I think it was, um, I can't remember who it was, but said that you, if you're not careful, you will champion the kingdom without the King. Yes. And so we want to make sure Jesus is at the center, but the idea is um, 
she, that she was getting across was the, the continual submission of rereading the scripture over and over, even when you think you already know what it says, yeah, is an admission and a heart posture of submission that I don't know it all. And you're continually going back to God with a, hum, a humility that says, teach me, Lord, teach yeah. me, Lord, that there's net, it's an unending mine filled with gold. And you can mm -hmm. continually go deeper and deeper. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just uh, an encouragement to read your Bible. Yeah, big time. Well, <laughs> read your Bible. Well, one thing you said, I remember in a sermon was, uh, we take a, po a, a learning posture mm -hmm. or atmosphere here of constantly that. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you hear that just in um, um, societal context where like to be a lifelong learner is to be a leader in in those things. But really, I think the apostleship or like the discipleship of Jesus, where we are all like apprentices of this man, like, I think yeah. we can be And and I've, I've talked with some people in our church about this, but I've been just convicted that 99, you can be 99.9% .9 convicted of what you either read or understand of God. And yet, yeah. because he is so inexhaustible, you have to leave that like percentage that you could be wrong because we can't fully grasp him. And so yeah. like what we gain from our experiences, what we gain from our personal devotion through listening to the spirit and through his living word, like through his scriptures, what's been passed down to us, we can distill all of those things. And yet to continually approach God with this idea of, mm -hmm. I still don't know it all and still continue to teach me yeah. is that humbleness, right? I think of, uh, was it Micah six, eight, where it says, seek justice, love mercy and walk humbly. Like yeah. sometimes, and maybe this is important for our people specifically, we really bang the drum on the seek justice part, but it actually gives us how to do that on the backside, which is seek justice while loving mercy yeah, and walking humbly. And it's, 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 that's been kind of a, um, a highlight for me, I think recently mm -hmm. that just continues to be brought up. And so, yeah. I'll be actually be teaching on that in a couple of weeks, but um, oh, perfect. I'm interested in see more about that. So it's good. Perfect. Well, I, I do, you know, I know we're probably kind of getting to the end of our time here trying yes. to keep these more succinct, but um, one of the things that I, that I wanted to bring up is because I do think people, when they hear the learning community, learning posture stuff, it can become uh, alarming, right? Cause yeah. we, we try to designate like, like we've had guests on our, in our pulpit that have said things that probably were not in alignment with our church. And, um, you know, that obviously caused some disruption. We had some conversations. And so what we decided is, well, we didn't want to like only invite, like we've seen, and I'll, I'll just name it. Like white evangelicalism will constantly just continuously support itself with only people who believe politically denominationally what they already believe. And so they never see anything. If you're a homogenous culture, you are, you are constantly just fortifying a lot of your own biases and problem, problematic yeah. preferences. That and echo so, chamber, like you were talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah, that echo exactly. chamber, that vacuum. Mm -hmm. So how do we break that without and still protect what we believe is, is true, right? And, and I think I love that our church came up. So, so when we do conferences, it's kind of like those are areas and spaces where we're allowing and okay with people who maybe don't know Jesus and don't agree with us theologically. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have all across the board. We don't want to be afraid of that, right? You have the, you know, the joke is chew the meat and spit out the bones. That's fine. But for us to be 
a, a learning community, we can't close off the, um, sorry, my alarm just went off to remind me, we got to close this up. I'll finish <laughs> this up quick. But, um, but to, to have areas, so we may circulate some articles, like certainly in, the, in, the, in our endeavor for racial reconciliation and justice, we have read books. Ta-Nehisi Coates' book was amazing. He's yeah. not, he doesn't follow Jesus. He's very critical of Christianity. But there were some insights there that we just trust people to be able to discern. I remember one time, um, I won't name the person because I want to derail the conversation, but uh, an elder at one of the churches I was at, he was reading a book of a theological orientation that I did not agree with. And I said, oh man, you got to be careful. And he looked at me as an elder, right? And I don't know what, why I you know, felt the need to tell him that, but he's like, you don't trust me to be able to discern that? He's like, mm. I'm, I'm just reading this book, man. I thought it was an interesting perspective. I wanted to check it out. And that's always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, now, uh, that specific book, per, that writer is now doesn't even follow Jesus anymore. Like it was a Christian book and they don't follow Jesus. So um, I get that there's some danger there. But um, mm -hmm. if we create a protected space on Sunday morning, then we wanted to open up other areas. And so the podcast, the other podcasts converge. The, yeah. All of those people that we interview don't agree with our statement of faith. Um, they have some pretty, some of them have some strong disagreements with theological positions we hold, or we have disagreements with ones they hold, but that doesn't mean we can't um, overlap in some yeah. areas, knowing that the parameters of what we've created. And, um, and then lastly, I just want to make this quick little comment about mission that keeps coming to mind. Mission, um, I was in New Orleans post-Katrina, and it's like all the denominational walls fell down. We had, like, there was no you're a this, so I'm a that. And so if, if, if anyone had a denominational preference before that, it's like, it didn't matter. This house needed to be rebuilt. Yeah. This person needs a home. And so, so one of the questions I always ask myself is in what areas of our church and in what, what places, I guess the wall for me of being on mission together is different than a theological orientation. So yeah. I constantly ask myself this question from that experience could I be on mission with this person, even though they disagree with me? Mm -hmm. And that actually opens yourself up for a lot when it comes to service and mission. Now, now we may not teach in the pulpit together, but um, in terms of holding a shovel, serving the poor, feeding people, yes, I feel like that question for me mm -hmm. and that experience was so shaping. Um, and the pastor there asked me that question. I mean, that was a, that was a direct question. Like we can be on mission with lots of different people and lots of different denominations, because in the end, and people who don't know Jesus at all, right? Because in yeah. the end, people need to get fed. Um, and you can do it under the banner of Jesus. They can do it under the banner of something else. Um, you know, so, so there, for me, is a separation or, or a missional lenience, I guess, when it comes to that specific, um, you know, pillar that we have. Yeah. Devotion in. I'll, so, anyways, yeah. I'll give a quick shout out to some of our missionaries in our congregation, because I am sure living in contexts uh, where Christianity is spiritually desolate. When you come in contact with somebody who says that they follow Jesus, your first question probably isn't, hey, what denomination or theological orientation are you? It's probably, praise God, let's talk. Yeah. Right. And living in some context in my, in my own right, where that was yeah. the case. Yeah, you celebrate every move, move, movement towards Jesus. It's not, if someone's just someone saying, you know what, I don't believe any of that stuff you believe, but I did pray last night and I prayed to Jesus. That's a win in a missional relationship, in a missional context. You celebrate every, like, 
Yes. Every tiny, minute movement towards Jesus mm-hmm. is a celebration. Yeah. And if you are interacting with people in that world mm-hmm. regularly, you're going to say, you're not going to point out the 90% of Christianity that yeah. they aren't obedient to. Yeah. You're going to be excited about the one or 2% that they move from in, in alignment with Jesus. Yes. Yep. 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 So, I mean, I'll just, I'll just kind of make this plug and, and we can move on, but, um, and close this up. Mm-hmm. You talked about a little bit of like co- committing to one another as the body together. And, you know, that just the idea that, man, when we talk about the body as Christians being Christians, like, um, you know, the, the differences in the hands and the feet and all that stuff, we can talk about different giftings, but it's also like maybe leaves a little bit of nuance and room for biases and whatnot. But the idea also is different perspectives also continue to shape and mold a, an image of a God that we can barely comprehend, yet we are still connected to the same thing. And so when, when people do decide to maybe disconnect themselves from a certain group or a body and only hang out with the hands, if you can yeah. if you're tracking with me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like th- there's a, there's a certain perspective there that like, you can only go so far, right? Yeah. Uh, you can only go so far walking on your hands, but there are certain perspectives that is needed to give us a bigger tapestry of God. And I know it's not a direct correlation within scripture, but some of it could be as far as like the covenant marriage type idea where, Hey, for those of y'all who are married, how similar and how different are you to your spouse or the one that you've committed to? And how much more are you then committed to stay through it and, and see through it and still mm-hmm. work through those differences and accept those differences yet still be on mission together, whatever that might be with your purpose, whether it's raising a family or whether yeah. it's living in a certain area, whatever it might be. So take that analogy for what it is. But I do feel like at times Christians specifically tend to be a little more, I don't want to say finicky, but um, are able to kind of leave and kind of bail when things get tough or we disagree. Um, and I, I think maybe in this season specifically, maybe we're called to a little more of a commitment to one another and mm-hmm. sojourning together, even mm-hmm. despite our biases. Mm-hmm. So at least that's a conviction of our church, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're, we we're went over. over a little longer what we wanted to yeah, do. Let's, let's go ahead we and shut it down. Thanks. Thanks y'all for listening. Um, we'll, we'll come in with the next, we have two other values of common ground. We empower, we are courageous. Um, and to be honest with you, that's just as far as our elders got when we started going through the process of identifying core um, values. And uh, it was a slow going process initially, but then COVID happened and we had some other things pop up. So those are the three values I'm going to teach on. And then I'm going to add a couple of other things to that, that I think help frame those values. Um, but we'll have a couple more um, sermons and um, follow up kind of podcasts yep. on the other side of that. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Stay tuned for our next episodes. And again, if you like what you hear, make sure to uh, like us and leave us a review that helps other people find us and check out the other podcasts such as Converge. You don't want to miss out on that. So we'll see you on the next episode. Yep. Catch you next time. We appreciate you stopping by and spending some time with us today. Make sure to check out the previous episodes on Hub Podcast. If you're interested in information on Common Ground Northeast, check out cgnortheast.com.
We'll catch you next time.